what I want to do is, is as we are approaching Passover, Unleavened Bread, we're going to be, you know, bringing out whatever the Father has for us in these areas for this year, especially examining our hearts and and everything that goes along with that. But just as the theme has already been talking about here, you know, I put up that we are a ransom people, and this is one thing that I don't want us to ever forget. And so as we start this, let's look at verse 1, 2, and 3. And what I did was, is we're not really going to be talking about food offered to idols. But I wanted to use this as a principle because uh, in 1 Corinthians 8, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 10. But it's all talking about, um, in principle, of what I believe that, I wanted to share to bring out about what Paul was instructing them of what's really important in the whole matter. So, let's just take off. It says, now concerning foods offered to idols, and this is what I wanted to capitalize with us. We know that all of us possess what? Knowledge. So, he's saying this. We know all of us possess knowledge, but this knowledge does what? Puffs up. It also says in NAS, I think, make, makes arrogance. But love builds up. What we're doing is, is in our little Wednesday night get-togethers with the young people and some of the parents, we've been going over the gifts of the Spirit. And when you're talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then you talk about 1 Corinthians chapter 14, what's sandwiched in the middle of four, uh, 12 and 14? Love, 13. Because he tells us that everything has to be done in decency and order, and everything has to come out from a heart of love first. We all obtain knowledge, but if knowledge, if that's all we're doing is, is we're trying to find out the nuances of all of this stuff. In other words, was he, born, was he crucified on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday? Was he in the ground three days, a day and a half? Did he, was he resurrected, you know, uh, in the afternoon after Shabbat, was it, you know, um, after sundown? Was it before daybreak? Was it after daybreak? When do we start counting the Omer? Is it after the first day of unleavened bread or if it's on the Shabbat? What I'm saying is, is this, is all of these things are important. But do you think in the Hebrew Roots movement that everybody agrees on what I just said? So if we capitalize on something that maybe we can or we can't prove, we're going to miss that the whole theme of Passover is about Yeshua and about the children and what he did for them coming out of Egypt. Now, it's great during our Midrash times and during our times of Torah portions and all of that as we study these things, and I'm not saying don't look into that, but if you're majoring on these things, you're going to miss what is really major. In this, do we not know that we read the Gospels that the Pharisees and Sadducees, did they agree on everything? Absolutely not. And then you can go to the Herodians, you can go to the Essenes, and we can go on and on and on and on. So we see that we have this. So when we come into these feast times, we need to really capitalize and make sure that we're capitalizing on what's important in this theme of being Yeshua and in the, telling the story of what he told us to retell. 
Because he's telling us here that this knowledge that he's talking about here puffs up. It makes arrogance. Then it says in verse 2, it says, if anyone imagines that he knows something. I think some scripture says if, any, if uh, anyone supposes. So do you know what imagine? Imagine means this. I wrote it down. It says to have a notion of or about something without an adequate foundation. So there's a lot of times we may be voicing our opinion or we may be coming like we know that we know something doctrinally when really it's an imagine or imagination. We don't really have all of the facts. Remember, we've been talking about the seven spirits of the Holy Spirit. Knowledge is one of them. But it has to be to where knowledge and understanding produces wisdom. Because if you think you're going to go out with just that you imagine that you know something, that you have some kind of, you read something on the internet, Dr. Google, you know, Rabbi Google, whoever you want to say, or Rabbi Wikipedia, and all of that, and you're just going to go and you're going to just spill it, that, that's what he's talking about here. He's saying if anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. He's saying you don't know everything that you think you know. But if anyone loves Elohim, he is known by Elohim. And this is why, look, there's a, I, and I will tell you, and I've been very outward about me, you know, through these years. I definitely don't know everything. Tammy will tell you that, you know, and most of you. We just don't know everything. But I will tell you this. Whenever, years ago, whenever I was raised as a Baptist, that was all I knew. But do you know, I started a journey. And from that journey, he's taking me through truths in his word. And you know what? I've learned a lot of commentary along the way that was not so. I know that there was, uh, I'm not going to name, there was a particular Bible that I used to have. I'm not going to name the name of it just because we're over the airwaves. But man, I really loved it because it was a lot of pictures and it was a lot of prophecy and it was a lot of things in there. Even though it looked good, it sounded good and all of that, there was a lot of error in it because of end times. And when, you know, I started thinking, I said, as, as much as this individual put a lot, a lot of his life work into this, without knowing Shabbat, without knowing the feast, without knowing the festivals, then we come to wrong conclusions. You will not know, Brad Scott did a great job, that you will know the end from what? From the beginning, he said that. And that's where we have to remember whenever we're imagining things or whenever we think we may know something when we don't. But the time that we live in, it is really and very revealing in our life. Amen? So, I just wanted to start out with, let's don't be smarty pants, okay? We may not know everything, and that's okay, but one thing he's telling us in the knowing of everything is that we should be able to love one another, and that if we disagree on a particular point here and there, remember, we need to love one another, because uh, maybe a year or two, we may realize Whenever we open our mouth and all of these feathers start coming out, that we may have to eat crow. Amen? All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Do I have that one up there? Yep. 
Okay, now let's start focusing. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 24 and 25 says this. But when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you. Guys, whenever we partake of Passover, listen to what he's saying. His body, his very being was broken for us. We have to, we have to internalize that as best as we can. We, we can, I, I can't, it's hard to imagine exactly the torture that Yeshua went through. Whenever he was agonizing, I mean, the torture didn't start when the whip started. The torture started in the garden. When he was agonizing, praying and seeking and saying, if it be possible that this cup can be passed. But nevertheless, there's an agony there's preparation that has to happen. And this is what he's telling us in his word. And this is one thing Paul is telling us in his word. We have to identify with that broken body. We have to identify with the blood that he spilt. And the water that came out. We have to identify with that. If we don't identify with that, we will pass over this season. And we think that we're going to be safe when we go into the Sukkot season. And what I'm saying is, it's not just a literal, but I'm talking about when he returns season. Amen? There's still ten virgins. These ten virgins, they walk through all of these feasts. I see this, and you're going to see something in a moment that popped out at me in one of the churches in Revelation or the congregation. So he's telling us, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So he's telling us that we need to internalize this. We need to understand that, do you know how long Yeshua hung on that torture stake on the cross? Six hours. Count it up. Six hours. Whether you had your hands here or whether your hands over here, it doesn't matter. What matters is, is for every breath he took, he had to pull himself up to breathe. And then he went back down. We have to understand, we have to identify that the wages of sin is death. We have to identify that he didn't die for us, that we could accept him. So now that we're saved, so we can go back to our old lifestyle and keep sinning. And that it doesn't matter. That's trampling the body and the blood under our feet. And that's making that of none effect. This is what this season is about that we don't. And this is why the Father helps us. Because you know what? We can move on from the past. And we can just go. And the next thing you know, we're back into the old ways of doing things. And really, naturally, what he, he said now would be worse than if you had never known. Than to know and to go back and trample. So identifying exactly, because I can tell you this, he's not going to be crucified again for us. Amen? That's over with. If, there, if we don't get ourselves right, then we're the ones going through the crucifixion in the end. That's the way that would work. All right, let's go to Revelation chapter 5, verse 6 through 10. You can hold your finger because we're coming back to... Um, well, we'll be coming back to chapter 10 in a minute, so you don't have to hold your finger there. Revelation 
uh, 5, 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb doing what? Standing. So this is the book of Revelation. So we see here that John the Revelator, he sees four living creatures among the elders, and he saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Do you know that he recognized Yeshua because Yeshua had the marks of someone who had been sacrificed? Still had the remains or the marks of someone who had been sacrificed on an altar. And he sees that. With the seven horns and the seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of Elohim, we've been talking about this forever here, sent out into all the earth. And he, the lamb standing, went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him, Yahweh, who was seated on the throne. Because the lamb who was slain was worthy to go get the scroll from the one seating. And when he had taken the scroll and the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. We're talking about the very power of things happening in the heavens to where the awesome respect of where these elders and these creatures when Yeshua, at the moment that he took that scroll, we have to understand the awesomeness of our Elohim. During this world that we live in, we got too many people who do not respect what's going on here. When I see Jesus, I'm going to give him high five, and I'm going to, we're going to jab. That ain't going to happen. Not when you're seeing the elders and the creatures falling down. What makes you special or more special than these creatures or these 24 elders that's before the throne? Do you know that Yahweh's sitting here too? And Yeshua's one who's slain? And we're just going to go up there like he's our buddy? No. We better get this right. Each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense. Now, what are in these bowls of incense? The prayers of the saints. Do you know our prayers? Our prayers are in these bowls. The ones who have the commandments and have the testimony of Yeshua, it says, which are the prayers of the saints. Our prayers are, in the, are within these bowls. You have a place that's going on right here. If our prayers is going above this ceiling. And he says, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you who take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for Elohim from every tribe and language and people and nation. He sort of covers it all. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our Elohim, and they shall reign on the earth. Guys, I just want you to see this, that we're a kingdom of priests. 
And he has given us power by the Holy Spirit to reign on this earth. I don't know what we're thinking as the body of Messiah. But this is what I'm trying to say. Too many people are wrangling about things that they know not about. When people are having division because of calendars. When people are having divisions because they can't pronounce the name just right. When people are having divisions because of counting the Omer. When people are having these divisions, I'm like, what in the world are we thinking? When we need one other, we need one another and we're part of the same body, we're dependent upon one another. But yet the body is causing infections. The body are causing cancerous cells by divisions because of pride that puffs up because we think we know something when we don't. And this is why he's trying to tell us to humble ourselves, walk in the revelation that he gives us, absolutely 100%, show mercy. Because you know what? We may be eating crow one day. Because I have eaten a lot of crow over the years. Because the first thing, well, I'm just saying, when I was a Baptist, I'm just saying tongues was of the devil. Their feathers came out of my mouth. I mean, there's things that happen because, look at me. I've got a keeper that's covering most of my bald head, and i got this funny thing on me. Do you, how many Baptist churches have you walked in and they wear this stuff? Or assemblies of God and they wear this stuff? What's happening to us? The thing is, is we're being made more into his image. We're lining up with the Torah and we're identifying with him because our high priest, our high priest wore one of these. Our high priest had his head covering when he went into the temple because he was showing that, you know what? I'm not here on my authority. I'm here on his authority. And he has given me all authority and I'm giving it to you. This is what's happening and we need to start tapping into it. And I'm talking as a whole. The reason why I'm saying this, there's people that believe that you can get in the kingdom without the blood. You can get in there with a grain offering. I hate to tell you. Ain't no grain offering going to get you in the kingdom. Because the wages of sin is not killing the wheat. The wages of sin is death. And I'm telling you that whenever they stuck that spear in his side, blood and water came down on this earth. And there's a reason why blood and water both came, because not only did he redeem, he ransomed us, but he cleansed us. And he had to cleanse the earth. Because the earth ended up being cursed because of Adam's sin. So he's reversing the curse is what Passover is all about. Here that don't know Yeshua is your Savior, you haven't had your first Passover yet. But most of us who do, we need to remember and memorialize it. And we need to walk in a way that we can understand that those that's coming behind us that don't know Yeshua, that I want to, I, I don't know what's going on with them, but I want what they have. What is it? It's the Yeshua that lives in us. That's what this season is to be about. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 1, for I do not want you to be unaware. Some scripture says ignorant. Mississippi says ignorant. Brethren, brothers, bros. 
just covering all the bases from all the commentaries or translations, I guess, that our fathers were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. And guess what? So were we. Verse 2, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. What does that mean? In the cloud means that they were, they were baptized with the Spirit, and in the sea they were baptized in water. They went through a mikvah. This is what he's showing you, Spirit baptism and water baptism. They all ate the same spiritual food, and they all drank the same spiritual drink. So now we're seeing there's some eating and there's some drinking. This, to me, is prophetic. Because what is he saying? For they were drinking from the spiritual rock which followed them. And who was that rock? Yeshua. So you're already seeing bread be, because what was given to them? Manna. So you're seeing a bread, and now you're seeing drink. You're seeing blood and water. You're seeing that he's tying something that happened whenever they were coming out of Egypt into the wilderness. And he's letting them know that Yeshua is the picture for everything. Verse 5, nevertheless, with most of them, Elohim was not well pleased. Now listen, this is where I'm coming to us. Passover had happened. Okay? He's now saying that there's a group of people that partook of the Passover, and now they're out of Egypt. But now he's saying this to this group of people that partook of the Passover and is coming out of Egypt. He's got a message for them. He said, nevertheless, with most of them, Elohim was not well pleased. Can we accept Yeshua in our life and end up later in our life? Can he say to us, with some of you, I'm not well pleased. With, with me, I'm not well pleased. You bet he can. We better understand what he's saying. A lot of people believe just because you went through the Passover, you got it made. There's a journey from Passover to Sukkot. And he gives us and he equips us to make that journey. But we have to do it his way. Or he won't be well pleased. For they laid... For they were laid low in the wilderness. Now there's two of them, Joshua and Caleb, that made it through. But really the rest of them did not. Unless they were under 20 years of age that happened later when they had these, these sins that happened. Verse 6, it says, Now these things happened as examples for us. So that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. So guess what? They were saved. In tight, they had the blood applied, they killed their lamb, they ate the Passover meal, and they came out, but they have not been given the Torah yet or the Spirit. So guess what? They're still cravings. They were still craving things. We can be saved, but what is what does Paul say in Romans? He's saying that our mind needs to be what? Transformed and renewed to this book. Without this transformation. These cravings will remain. This, we have to crave this, and it will then wash out and remove the cravings of the flesh. I'm being as simple as I can. So that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. 
So what is he telling us in this story? It's our example. Don't repeat their failures. Study. Know. Uh, this is the scripture. Understand that there were things that happened in their lives. They had failures in their lives. Don't repeat it. The things that they did do in the victories, repeat those. Verse 7, he says, Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, The people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Now, you can leave your finger there. Let's go to Revelation chapter 3. I don't know how far I'm going to get in this teaching, but that's okay. We got to pass over to do it. Revelation chapter 3. Now, this is in context with me about verse 7 in chapter 10. I'm going to read that one again first. Y'all don't go back there, but then I'm going to pick up and take off. Do not be idolaters. If Paul is saying this to the church or the congregation at Corinth, who is he talking to? Hopefully, believers, but he's telling them some, Scott, like, don't be idolaters. Why would he tell them don't be idolaters? Because some of them was doing idolatry, if that's a word. Okay? There was something happening for him to have to address that. Look, if life was good and the Spirit was moving and they was having a Holy Ghost showdown, Paul wouldn't be writing this. Paul's writing this because there's some issues there and there's some idolatry that no doubt has crept back in or never was removed. How many times do we have the example where David, he got rid of all the high places, but he didn't get rid of what? All the high places. There were kings that came through, Arnold Wright, that he said they would go and they would get rid of a lot of high places, but they didn't get rid of all the high places. It's just what happens is, is they, when you leave, this is why the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is so important. You can't just take sin and just relocate it. That's what was happening when they don't remove. If you don't remove everything, people will tell you that's ever had cancer. If you don't remove it all, what happens? Why? It grows back. It metastasizes. It starts growing back. Sin does that. If we can't get rid of all of it out of our lives, it will just start growing back. It's just the way it happens to us. Don't look at me like you're surprised. Congregation. The congregation of Sardis. And to the angel of the congregation in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of Elohim and the seven stars. Well, that sounds familiar. We just read it before. So who is the words of him? These are the words of Yeshua. So this is Yeshua talking to them. Okay? I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive. Now let me ask you this. What does a reputation mean? What is a reputation? A reputation is what you're known by. Okay? You have, he's saying you have a reputation of being alive. You have the reputation that revival has broke out in the area of Sardis. You have the reputation that you are serving him and that people are being saved and things are happening. Praise and worship is the best. It's off the chain. And the preacher is really throwing it down there. You have the reputation of being alive. You have the reputation that you are the congregation. You have 
30,000 people that's packed in this little building. You you're now have to outgrow your church, and now you're in a coliseum. This is what you have the reputation at. You have the reputation, so that means that when people sees this congregation, when they watch it on TV or they read about it and they see things going on, they have the reputation that things are happening there and that the Spirit is moving there. That's what he's saying here. When you have the reputation, that means that you see, you see something happening in this place. Okay? Find my glasses. So you have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Guys, that's scary. That's scary. Because that's scary. That is mass scary. I'm telling you, that is scary. And this is, I'm slowing this down because I'm trying to say this. We need to be careful that we look out and we see something that looks like there's revival going on. And you thinking, man, there's a move of God going on here. And there's a move of God going And people is this and people's that. And all of these things are happening. But do you know he gives us a sign of those who's connected to him? And we quote it every week through the Shema. That the sign are those, he said, this is a sign between me and you. This is not a sign between you and him. So there can be things that look like God, but it ain't. You have a reputation of being alive. You have a reputation that revival is happening, but Yeshua is telling them you're dead. That's a wow. I just want to stop, slow down. I don't want to be caught up into that. I don't want a reputation just because we're in Hebrew roots. I don't want a reputation that things are happening at River of Life and we're dead. I don't want a facade. We don't want a facade. This is why Yeshua tells us he recognizes us by our deeds. He doesn't recognize us by our reputation that we're doing something here, but it's not Yahweh things. This is why this is important. This is... I'm not judging anybody. I want you to know that, but Yeshua is. And I'm reading it from His Word. And He, and he is trying to give... The congregation at Sardis a message. Because why he loves them? He loves them. He's flat. He's not letting them keep going on and having their revival and their feel-good salve and all of that, thinking that they're pleasing him. Finally, he's just putting the brakes on and saying, Hey guys, slow down just a minute. You're doing the wrong things. You think you're alive, but you're dead. You think that you're following me. You think because you reinvented this word and people are excited about it, that I'm excited about it. I'm only excited about what the Father has told me to do, and I've put it to you, and now you're going to do what the Father says. That's what makes me excited. It doesn't make me excited that you reinvent this because you think that the Old Testament's dull, because they, don't, they, they get mad because you tell them they can't eat crawfish. 
So they go to another place that allows them to do that. You know what I'm saying? This is what he's saying. You have the reputation that there's revival going on, but I'm telling you, it ain't true. And it ain't going to last. And all you're doing is, is fleecing the sheep. I added that one. But this is what he's saying. He says, verse 2, wake up. Put the brakes on, wake up, and strengthen what remains and is about to die. In other words, you're hanging on by a thread. That's loose still talk, I guess. You're hanging on by a thread. Strengthen that thread that you have because now where you should have a rope, all you have left is a thread, and that's your lifeline. You better use it. You better strengthen it as you can and rebuild it back to a rope. Doing this will, can rebuild it back to a rope, but if not, the thread's going to break because it can't endure all of your sin baggage and your weight. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my Elohim. Yeshua is saying this. Yeshua is saying, I have not found your works, your deeds, the righteous acts of the Son. I have not found these deeds. I have not found these works complete in the sight of Yahweh. Because I'm a mediator that goes between the two. Verse 3. Remember. This is really what Paul was saying in chapter 10. Don't repeat their failures. He's really speaking the same thing. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up. This sounds familiar. I will come as a thief in the night. Or I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what hour that I will come against you. You tell me that ain't a ten virgin deal? All virgins. All believed, all had oil to start with, but others wasn't prepared, didn't have the extra oil. Then when he came, five didn't have it and said, give to me. These people, this congregation of Sardis, whenever the trumpet's going to blast in that day, is going to turn around and say to others, give to me. Listen to what it says here. Oh, I'm on the wrong, wrong page. Verse 4, yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments. What are their garments? Revelation 19, 8. We talked about the righteous acts of the righteous deeds of the saints. They have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Yet there's still a few names in Sardis. What's going to happen that day when he comes as a thief? These other people are going to try to ask those who have not soiled their garments, spare me some thread. They're going to say, spare me something just like the ten virgins. And you're going to know what? This garment he gave to me. Joseph's coat of many colors. Other brothers, I can't help you. You can see all of these parallels in here. When Yahweh gives you the garments... 
when you do what the Father asks you to do in this word, he clothes us spiritually. I can't give you that. You have to do what you need to do. I can't go to you and get from you that. Because it talks about the righteous acts of the righteous deeds of the saints. These are what you're doing here. If somebody's walking in darkness and walking in sin and practicing sin and all of that, that relationship is between you and him. I can't I can help minister to you, but I can't give you something that I can't give you. Only Yahweh can give you that through his word. You, am I making myself clear? I just want to make sure that you know this is the same parallel. I can pray for you and I can help you and you can pray for me and help me. But guess what? I got to do the works. I got to do the deed. I have to put in the time. I can't ride on somebody's coattails. That was one thing Bill taught me years ago. Son, you can't ride on my coattails. You have to pray. You have to read. You have to study. These are things you have to do. I can stand up here and minister, and you can take notes all day long. But guess what? There will only be notes. If you don't apply them to your life, and if you don't walk out what you're learning, guess what? They're only notes. It's knowledge that's going to puff up. It's not love, and it's not life. It's when we know something, and we write it down, the reason why we take notes is we take it to where we can internalize it, we can apply it, and we can walk it out, and we can do it then that turns into a righteous deed. Then we start sewing that garment that we're going to wear when he returns. Amen? But he's telling us that there's some, there's just a few in Sardis that hasn't soiled their garments. Guys, that is not a good uh, ratio of people who believe in him. But you know how it started out? You have a reputation that the spirit of Elohim is moving in your midst. You have a reputation that you're on fire in that church. You have a reputation that the Father is moving in your behalf. That's scary. I said that earlier, didn't I? That, I'm telling you guys, that's what's scary to me. Because a lot of times, we as people, we're moved by what we see. We're moved by emotions. We're moved by what we see. Could we see that it looks like that there's things that are really fired up, go there, and just get caught up in the emotions of it. And the next thing you know, we're back out into the world doing what the world religion does. This is what he's talking about here. Don't be deceived by what you see. Don't be deceived by a reputation of what you think's going on. Everything has to be judged by this word. This is what he's given me today for this main part, because this is some of the things that he's telling us that we need to don't be looking outward at what the Father may be doing when people are not following commandments. We have to know we were once there. That's going to happen. He is going to touch them. Absolutely. He touched me when I was there. But we are not to stay there. He's calling them out of Babylon. He's touching people in a Babylon system, a Babylonian system. But at the same time, he's touching them. He's encouraging them, but he's calling them out. He's called us out. And guess what? He's still calling us out. Whether you know it or not, we're still in a Babylonian system. Even in the Hebrew Roots movement, we're still in a Babylonian system. There's still tentacles of Babylon. It's still got its 
And you know what? He's still calling us out. Every year, every cycle, every season, every Shabbat, he's calling us out. He's got a call for us. And here's the thing. Let's don't have a reputation that we think we have it and we don't. We always need to be looking, praying, Father, is this of you or is this not of you? And this is what I believe that this Passover, because you know what? I wrote this down. This Passover season, let's remember that it costs Yahweh something most precious. His son. There was a lamb. Even in that day, when Yahweh was sitting on his throne. In that day, even John the Revelator, Yochanan, when he looked with the elders, and when he looked at the four creatures, he saw Yeshua. He saw a lamb. He didn't see a lion there. He saw a lamb there. And the lamb had resembled the very marks of being sacrificed. That's what this is about. Let's don't get caught up into calendars. Let's don't get caught up into this, 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 and these, and arguing about things because we think we may have a little bit more knowledge than somebody else. Because I'm telling you, him giving his son, if you can stomach it, I always say this, I can't show it here because of the kids. But the passion of the Christ, whenever they did the scene, what Yeshua went through, whenever they hit, I, I watched a little bit of the scenes this week, just, and it's just hard to. But I mean, some of the scenes, when, whenever that whip went into his back, and they pulled it back, and chunks of meat hits people, I can't show it here. But I can tell you what, you have to understand, I just say that little bit of a graphic thing, we have to understand Yeshua paid it all for us. He, our sins did that to him. My sins did that to him. And, and this is the father's, the wages of sin is death. Look, guys, we're weak. I'm weak. I'll just be honest with you. What I'm saying is, is this, is when, when Yahweh told Adam, in the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Now, Adam and Eve, they ate of that tree. If it had been me, I'd have tried to make a plan B for them, so it wouldn't be so rough. Do we not do that when it's our own children sometimes? We make a plan B because we can't, but do you know what? Yahweh, he held to that. And he says, the day that you eat, you're going to die. And he did. But to reverse the curse, his most precious son had to die. Eating of that When Adam ate of that tree, he already knew before he ever created Adam what Adam was going to do. And he already knew before that time, and Yeshua said, I'll follow your plans. Whatever your plans are, I'll do it. Guys, that's a love that I can't comprehend. To be able to know of what was going to happen. And he did it anyway. But do you know what? It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it less painful. Because when he was lowered, when Psalm says that he was lowered, lowered than the angels into this place for me and you. That's why... When it talks about when we drink of that cup and we eat of that bread, 
we share. That word share, I ain't got to that scripture. We'll do it next week. That word share means we're intimate with him. We're sharing with him. He takes the pain and we get the blessing. I can't comprehend that. I can teach about it. I can try to tell you about it. That's why I was saying I try to I tried to look at I'm trying to just visualize how someone who has at his fingertips tens of thousands of angels, the very host. Do you know that the, the very army and the host of Yahweh was standing around them that day? They were, they were invisible to the people. Just like Elijah, Elisha that time told his servant. He said, they surrounded us. He said, open your eyes. No, we're surrounded. Yeshua knew that he was surrounded by Yahweh. And he knew, but he knew. He already did the battle in the garden. And he said, no, this cup I got to drink. Because I'm drinking this cup not only for me, but for you. And this is the important, and we, and we need to learn at this season, look, guys, we're blessed. If you don't know you're blessed, I don't know what to tell you. Because I can promise you, if, I, if you could go through what he went through, you'd know you're blessed. That if you had to go through what he went to, through for you to be saved, rather than just accept him in your heart and repenting, and you tried to do tit for tat, uh, I'll tell you right now, yeah, we blessed. We're beyond blessed to have eternal life granted to us because of what the Father has done. He did it to Abraham, he put him to sleep, and Yeshua walked through the pieces then. It talked about how, you know, in the, in the uh, covenant of the pieces, it's the same thing today. We didn't have to hang on that cross. We didn't have to hang on that torture stake. He did it for us. Now, guys, that's a love that I can't, I can stand up here until the cows come home, if that's even a thing. I don't know why it's a southern thing, but I guess they come home sooner or later. But I'm just telling you, I can't fathom that kind of love. I just can't do it because I'm talking about being humiliated. And look, he felt every blow. When it talked about that he was unrecognizable, that's what it means. When something happens to where his mother knows it's him, but she can't recognize, she couldn't pull him out of a lineup. It just shows you the torture that he went through. And then he hung six hours on a torture stake. Where mostly that would have killed anybody. So I'm just saying, guys, we don't need to ever... When we are a ransom people, don't ever take this for granted because it cost him everything. And we get the blessings for it. And so I just, uh, I just going to close with this. Just remember the congregation at Sardis. When you get to a place in your life where you think, man, the power of the Father's moving, there's always these times and seasons that he brings us through to make sure what reputation. So when we start lining up with Shabbat, we start lining up with his feast, we start lining up with food laws, we start lining up with just these things in the scripture that he tells us to do. And there's many others. Then you know, because he's already telling you between Shabbat, that this is a sign between him and us. Him and whoever's keeping it. 
And this is why this is so important. So with that, as we go through this season, I just want us to really not just get sidetracked with all the craziness going on in the world. Because you know what? You can't change one thing of it. It's going to do what it's going to do. All I don't want to do is, is I just don't want to get caught up into the hype of even the religious side of things to where it's a feel-good thing. Because the real feel-good thing is going to happen when he opens that scroll and mining your names in there. Then that's going to really feel good. Amen. Let's pray for that.